Welcome to Cornerstone Church of Parker and our Sunday service webcast, which is connecting you to God's Word anywhere over the internet. We're glad you're joining our webcast today and pray that God will minister to you as we share His good news in Christ Jesus. And now, with a message from God's Word, here's our speaker for today. Hey guys, welcome to Cornerstone Church. My name is Mike Jones. I'm the lead pastor here and We are in a series I've titled Adjusting Our Focus. We are moving through a study uh, in the book of Ephesians, a letter that was written by the Apostle Paul while he was sitting in prison uh, in Rome. Uh, He was uh, personally experiencing a crisis of sorts. He was chained probably to a a Roman soldier or to a wall. Um, He's awaiting his trial uh, before Caesar, and he's probably... uh, very much tempted to focus on his physical circumstances and and the and the plight that he is in. He's probably naturally tending towards uh, discouragement. Um, and as he's sitting there, he begins to remind himself by reminding others of a few very important things, things that would help him adjust his focus from his physical, uh, from the crisis in his physical uh, circumstances and back on to the places that it needs to be, things that are in the spirit. And so uh, we pick up uh, in the, I think this is the fourth sermon in this series, and we see Paul, he's writing uh, in chapter one, he is writing to remind the Ephesians to adjust their focus. Uh, and as he's reminding them, he's also reminding himself and reminding us modern day believers to adjust our focus from the crisis that's right in front of us, whether it be Paul sitting in the prison or the Ephesians who were under persecution, kind of under attack from the, the cult of Artemis, um, or we ourselves who who are presently uh, in a crisis, facing a pandemic, facing perhaps some government overreach or a financial devastation as a result of quarantine. Quarantine and, 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 and all these things that people are concerned about uh, in one way or another, um, it, we are in a crisis. And it's so easy for us to put our focus and our attention on the crisis in our physical circumstances and in the pain that we're feeling or our concern and, and for us to get upset and to lash out in the flesh. How easy it would have been for the Ephesians, uh, Ephesian believers to, to lash out, to act in the flesh, to, to make the conflict even worse uh, through uh, just responding in, in the fleshly nature or for Paul to respond in the fleshly nature as he's there chained. And, uh, you know, it would be easy for any of us to respond. It's only natural for us to respond in a in a natural way when we're under, in a crisis, right? That that survival mode kicks in. And yet Paul is writing to remind us and and remind the Ephesians and remind himself that when we're in a crisis like we are now, we need to adjust our focus. As I have showed you the last uh, few weeks, uh, he reminds us first and foremost to adjust our focus off of the crisis that's in front of us and put our focus on God. Because in a crisis, it's only natural for us to think that God hates us or that God is uh, unaware of what's going on or uninterested, that he doesn't care about us. He doesn't care because if God really cared, then he wouldn't let this happen. It's only natural for us to question God's character, to question God's kindness when we're in a crisis. And Paul starts immediately out in in, uh, Ephesians chapter one, and he reminds us of who God is and how gracious and kind God really is and how to what great lengths God has gone to make us a part of his family. And so we have to adjust our focus in a crisis from from what we naturally think of God to see him as he really is, as is a wonderful, very involved God who 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 wants nothing more for uh, for us than for us to thrive. And so Paul, he encourages us to pray for God's uh, uh, wisdom, for his spiritual insight, to really see the situation from God's vantage point, and to also pray for that that spiritual strength. That is chapter one. And, and if you haven't listened to my first sermon in the series titled Focus on God, I encourage you to go do that. <clears throat> in the second sermon, I talked about uh, focusing on who we really are, because when we're in a crisis, we tend to forget 
our identity in Christ. We tend to forget what we used to be like. In a crisis, we tend to think that our best days are behind us because we're so focused on the pain and so focused on the persecution or or the economic devastation or whatever is concerning us in the moment. And we forget that in Christ, our best days are ahead. Our best days are in front of us. And Paul was reminding himself of that as he was sitting in prison. And he was reminding the Ephesians of that. And he's reminding us as modern day believers that our best days are ahead. We used to be under control uh, of the, uh, uh, under the, the devil's control, under the, he's the spirit that's at work in the world, Paul says. He says, we used to be uh, just going off. We used to be confused and, and, and just going our own way. And, and, and our lives used to, uh, tend towards self-destruction, but God rescued us. God changed us by his grace and he's He's uh, transformed us. He's made us insiders. We used to be outsiders. We used to not be part of God's people, but now we are. We're part of God's family. And so Paul reminds us in chapter two to focus on uh, who we really are in Christ and that our best days are ahead of us. This crisis will come to an end and God will move us forward into wonderful things. God has wonderful things planned for each one of us. He had wonderful things planned for the Ephesians. He had wonderful things planned for Paul, and he has wonderful things planned for us. Uh, So that was chapter two. And if you haven't listened to that sermon titled Focused on Who We Really Are, I'd encourage you to do so. Last week, uh, I talked about focusing on others, and that's Ephesians chapter 3. In Ephesians chapter 3, we we see Paul reminding us that, that hey, in a crisis, it's, it's only natural for us to forget about others. We become so self-focused that we forget that other people, especially other believers, are in the same boat that we are. They're going through the crisis crisis just like we are. And and when we get in a crisis, we tend to focus only on what we think, the you know, only on our political lean or only on the, the way we think that, that everybody should move forward. This is the best way to get through this crisis. You know, we, we tend to focus on, uh, on ourselves and our thoughts and our feelings and our desires. And we tend to forget that others have thoughts, feelings, and desires as well. He uses it in the context of, of Jews and Gentiles. And he says that, uh, hey, listen, I know you guys have different colors of skin, different customs, different cultures, but because of your faith in Christ, you, in, in, in Christ's redemptive work in the, on the cross, that you are one people. None of those differences in the physical realm uh, matter anymore because of your, your faith. You have a common faith. And so to get through a crisis, you need to lessen your focus on yourself and begin to try to see things from other people's perspective. Because as you do that, as you focus on the things that you have in common, you will tend to stay united. And so he prays for them that this would be the the fact that they would know and experience God's love. God's love is a love that's other focused, right? God's love is not a selfish love. It's focused on others, on on what benefits others, and it focuses on on what pleases God. And, And so Paul reminds them of that. And, and I did uh, remind us of those things as well. So if you haven't listened to that sermon, please go ahead and do that. Focused on, on others. Now, today's sermon uh, is titled Focused on the Church. And, and it very much builds off of, of Paul's previous thought. He continues it. Actually, I would consider it an application of the previous sermons. Because Paul is, in the first three chapters of Ephesians, he's asking the the Ephesians uh, and us to adjust our focus from the crisis in our physical realm and to focus out into the spiritual realm to to see into the background of what is going on. If you remember from my, my overview uh, sermon, it, it's kind of like when you're reading a book, something that's, or looking at your phone, something that's close up, the background, the things that are far away tend to blur out naturally. When you're focused on your phone, everything behind it tends to blur out and you forget that it's even there, right? You can kind of see some things happen in your peripherals, but you're not fully aware of what's going on. And Paul is saying, hey, 
yeah, I know this crisis is hitting you right in the face. It's like two inches from your eyeballs and, and that's all you can see. But I need you to adjust your focus from the crisis that's right in front of you and look into the background, look into the spiritual background to see what is really going on. Right, And so this is what he has asked the Ephesians and ourselves as modern day believers to do in Ephesians chapters 1 through 3. But now he's coming back into the physical realm by adjusting our focus um, to see the church. To see the church as, as he saw the church. To see the church as God saw the church. Okay, And then from there in chapter, uh, this is going to be in the first part of chapter 4, Ephesians 4, 1 through 16, he asks us to focus on the church. And then the next time we get together, we'll continue because he he builds off the end of this, uh, this sermon to continue exploring the idea of focusing on our role as individual Christians. And that's the middle of chapter 4 through the first part of chapter 6. It's like he went from the heavens and then into talking about the church as a corporate body to talking about Christians uh, uh, in their their special work and their roles. And then in chapter 5, in the first part of 6, he talks about Christians and their critical relationships. And then at the end of chapter 6, he zooms out again into that spiritual background and talks about the battle that's really going on in, in the spiritual realms. And he asks us to focus on that before he he says goodbye. And so that's the progression of our sermons here. And so today, as we look at uh, adjusting our focus and focusing on the church, let me uh, give you a brief, just bigger picture. And I will attach uh, a PDF of this, whether it be on the Cornerstone Church app or online. Uh, you can download this resource and it will have a uh, this outline available for you so that you can, you can either follow along or you can reference it later. Okay. But this uh, sermon focused on the church is uh, from... Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. Now, it is broken into, Paul's thoughts are broken into two sections, verses 1 through 6, where he focuses on the church as a whole, and then verses 7 through 16, where he focuses on the church as a collection of individuals, okay? Each individual having a special work, okay? So, this sermon is going to come in two parts, the first, focusing on the church as a whole, which very much builds off of his previous thoughts in, in chapters 2 and 3 especially. And then the second part is is a, a segue of sorts as he fo- begins to focus on the church as a collection of individuals. And he uses this part to springboard into the rest of chapter 4 and, and 5 and 6, okay? And so if you haven't taken a moment to read Ephesians chapter 4, I want you to pause this podcast right now, pause this sermon, go read it. It will probably take you three minutes. Um, I, I, if Depending on how fast you read, just take a few minutes, read Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. That way you'll be very familiar with what I'm, I'm saying as we go. Okay, so hopefully you've taken a moment to read uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. Uh, I'm reading and, and referencing the New Living Translation, so if you'd like to follow along, that's the translation that I'm, I'm using. Now, let's go into Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. And he says, uh, he starts out by saying, therefore. Okay, now whenever you read the word, therefore, you have to ask the question, well, well, what is what is he referencing in the past? Okay, because therefore is kind of a a summative statement. He's given a whole list of reasons, and now he says therefore, right? I, I, uh, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, etc. He's he's uh, kind of summing up everything that he's been previously saying, and I've already basically reviewed chapter three, but. Let me bring you back to that just for a quick second. He's saying, therefore, therefore, since since there's God's plan has always been to unite the Jews and the Gentiles 
under one faith, in one body, one collection of individuals, the body of Christ. Therefore, since that's always been God's plan, that that uh, physical differences, differences in color of skin or culture or customs would no longer matter in God's body. Therefore, since God's goal, ultimate goal, this is Ephesians 3.10, therefore, since God's ultimate goal was to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in heavenly places uh, through the church uh, in that uh, uh, the the church displays God's wisdom in that um, unity can exist alongside diversity of thought, right? Diversity of color and culture and customs. Despite the, the diversity, unity can coexist. They're not mutually exclusive. Therefore, since this was always God's plan and God's goal, right? He goes on and says in uh, Ephesians 4, 3, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Okay? Listen very closely to this. When we are in a crisis, it is only natural for conflict to begin to emerge. Conflict naturally emerges in a crisis. And I'm not even talking about conflict between believers and unbelievers. Yes, that is true. But Paul's focus right now in, in, in chapters three and four is on believers. And it is only natural in a crisis for believers to begin bickering, to begin, uh, uh, getting in conflict with one another as they debate about, uh, uh, what's the best way through the, the conflict and, and, and how we should respond and, and where our emphasis should lie. Should our emphasis lie on, on public health and, and safety? Should, should we wear masks or should we not wear masks? Should we mandate a stay-at-home order or not? You know, it's only natural for believers in a crisis to begin bickering and and hollering at one another about whether or not the government is actually overstepping its boundaries, or or whether or not we should be focused on the the financial devastation, or if there is even, <clears throat> excuse me, going to be uh, a financial fallback because of these decisions and. And, and that's exactly what's happening. You know, I'm, I'm on Facebook and, and Twitter and, or these other social media platforms. I see the things, uh, 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 I, or I'm at least aware of the things that are going on. And, and I see believers at each other's throats bickering back and forth about what's important and what's not, right? And as I shared last week, it, it's okay. Right for one person to emphasize uh, health more than overreach or finances, it's okay for someone else to emphasize overreach more than health, or 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 uh, it's okay for someone to, to to have real strong feelings about the financial impact and and be more concerned about the that than the health and and the overreach and and whatnot. It's okay that there are differences in emphasis. In fact, we need all three. We need all three. We need a variety of emphasis. We need people working on all of it because all of it's important, right? It's okay that we differ in our opinions about how things should get done and when the, 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 the stay-at-home order should, should lift. Those differences in opinion are okay, but those things, those differences should not be our focus because they uh, lead to conflict, Right, and in that conflict pulls us apart. It doesn't bind us together in peace. It doesn't create unity in the spirit. In fact, I would go so far as to say we are enabling the devil's work. We are just making his job easier. He wants nothing more than for believers to uh, to pull one another apart. He wants nothing more than to see the church and congregations disintegrate. He wants nothing more than for relationships among believers, especially, to just fall apart. And we only help him in his work when we focus on our differences. And so Paul says, hey, guys, I know you're in a crisis, but you're not the only ones. You're in Ephesus or in your home church there among the Ephesians. You're not the only ones going through a crisis. The Colossians are going through a crisis. The Corinthians, the the other believers all around the world, they're in a crisis too, 
right? And you're going to have differences of thought. You're going to have different political leanings. You're going to have different ideas about how to, how to uh, uh, resolve this issue and move forward. But that's not where your focus should be. Look what he says. He says, Keep, bind yourselves together with peace. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who who can work through a a, a conflict and and see things from a variety of perspectives. Blessed are those who can can bring people together when they naturally want to, to fall apart. And so Paul is acting, I think, like a peacemaker. And as I'm, as one who is teaching through his letter, I am trying to be a peacemaker as well, trying to call us to adjust our focus from what makes us different back to what makes us uh, the same, the things that we share. Look at what Paul says in verses four. These are the things that, that we share. He says four, right? Make every effort because four is, could maybe be substituted for because, because there's only one body. There's only one spirit, just as you've been called the one glorious hope for the future. Verse five and six says there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father who is over all and in all and living through all. Listen, we need to, we're going to get through this crisis. If we're going to stay united in the spirit, if we're going to bind ourselves together with peace, it's going to be because we focus on the things that we have in common as a church, as a whole church. And I'm not talking just about Cornerstone Church. I'm talking about the church all throughout the world, the church of, uh, of God, the body of Christ. Look at what Paul says. There's only one body. There aren't, uh, uh, there might be thousands of denominations, but there is only one body of Christ. When we get to heaven, we're not going to have the Baptists standing in one side and the Pentecostals on the other and the Reformed on, uh, you know, over here and, and this, uh, the non-denominational church, they're going to be over there. We're not going to be grouped by the association we had in the physical realm. We're going to be one body united right? There's only one body, even though in the physical, we have several thousand denominations. So Paul's saying, listen, don't focus on your denomination. Focus on the fact that you are one body. That church around the corner from us, you know what? They might have a different name, a different earthly association, but we're connected to them because we have, uh, we are connected by the spirit. Look what he says, one spirit, the same spirit, the Holy Spirit lives in each believer. Every believer that has <clears throat> confessed with their mouth and believed in their heart that Jesus Christ is Lord has the spirit of God in them, living in them, regenerating them, renewing them. There's not one spirit per uh, denomination. There's only one. And we share that same spirit. So focus on that, Paul says. Look at what else he says. You have been called the one glorious hope for the future. Every believer has the same hope. In other letters, Paul tells us that we were saved in the hope of, of having this glorified body, a body that was resurre- a resurrected body, much like the body that Jesus had. Right now, our bodies are subject to, to entropy. Our bodies are subject to death and they disintegrate over time. They age. They begin, they fall apart the longer they're in existence. And, and our hope is that one day, all, when all things are made new, we will see a glorified body, a body that does not decay, a body that's not subject to entropy. And not only uh, do we hope for a new body, but we hope for the, the renewing of, of all creation, right? No more pain, no more suffering, no more fighting uh, pandemics like we currently do, right? This is part of the glorious hope. And Paul is saying, you all share that. So focus on that. Don't focus on what makes you different. Focus on the fact that you have the same hope for the future. He goes on to say, there's only one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Listen, we each have the same Savior, Jesus died on the cross. He did for every believer. And so regardless of our differences, we have the same Savior. We all 
are uh, uh, saved by the same person, right? We have one faith, not many. Jesus says there's only one road and it's straight and it's narrow and only a few find it, right? And so if we are among the few who have found it and have chosen to walk this path, why in the world are we bickering among ourselves as we go? Paul's saying, listen, especially in a crisis, quit your bickering. Quit focusing on your differences in, in, in political liens or differences of how you get through. Focus on the fact that you are on the same path. You are on the same road together, the same faith. In fact, he says there's one baptism. Guys, when I thought about this, I realized that baptism, in a way, it re- represents our salvation story. It represents, hey, our old life is gone. We were born in sin. We used to be under control of the devil, but but we have come to the cross of Jesus Christ, every single one of us, and now we come up out of the water, which symbolizes a new life that God is working in us. Guys, we all, in general, we have the same testimony. We have the same testimony. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was dead in my sin, but now I am alive in Christ. Every single believer has the same Savior, has the same testimony. So why don't we focus on that? Why don't we focus on that more than we focus on differences, our differences during a crisis? This is what Paul is reminding himself of. He's reminding the Ephesians of, and he's reminding us today. I cannot say it enough He finishes up by saying we have the same God and the same Father. Listen, guys, we pray regardless of the denomination we kind of go to, regardless of our political lean. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, then you pray to the same person as every other believer. The same person protects you. The same person provides for you. The same person is answering your prayers. Focus on that more than your differences. Focus more on these things and less on the crisis. Focus more on these things and less on your political lean. More on these things and less on who's right or who's wrong. Focus more on these things and a whole lot less than what the media is saying. Do you hear me today? This is what Paul is saying. He's saying church as a whole, if you are going to stay united during a crisis, you need to focus on your similarities and not just your local congregation, but the church at large, the church in Parker, the church in in Colorado and in the United States and all throughout the world, believers everywhere, focus on these things. So this is the first part, okay? Verses one through six. Now, Paul, he naturally... He shifts gears here. And I know that because in verse 7, he says, however, however is a word that is used to contrast thoughts. He's basically taking everything he just talked about in verses 1 through 6, and now he's going to begin contrasting it, right? It's not that it's it's, uh, uh, better or worse, it's just alongside. If you could see my notes, and if you look online to the reference I'm going to provide you, I have two columns that are side by side. On one side, I have the church as a whole, verses 1 through 6, and then he, uh, 7 through 16, is in the right column. And it basically, he's saying, if you want to stay united, if you, in the spirit, if you want to bind yourselves together in in, this, uh, in peace, here's some things, verses one through six, six you need to, to focus on. Now, if you want to still accomplish that, here's another way. And he says in verses seven through 16, that you can stay united. You can bind yourselves together with peace by focusing on doing your part, by focusing on your special work. Look at, he says in verse seven, however, he, meaning God, has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. He has given each one of us, do you see the shift? He went from talking about the church as a whole, now he's beginning to talk about the church as a collection of individuals, okay? And so he says, listen, we are one body, yet many parts. 
we have uh, uh, same, the same goals, yet d- different roles. There's a contrast, something that runs right alongside, and he begins to get into that in verses 7 through 16. Let's look at that together. He says, um, he goes, verse 11 Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will all continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Okay, go forward. So he's talking about the gifts. He talks about church leadership, first of all, in in verse 11. And then he talks about um, verse 16, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part. Now he's looking more into believers in general, the rest of the congregation. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. So the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. And so as he shifts focus now, all right, from in verses 7 through 16 to talk about the church as a collection of individuals and the, that they can stay united in the spirit, bound together with peace as each part, as each person is focusing on doing their special work. Now, there's two two groups of people that he references. The first are church leaders. He, he says apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastors and teachers. They have a special work. And then he focuses on uh, everybody else. Right, Everybody else in the congregation, believers in general, he says they have a special work as well. And the goal, if everybody, leaders and and believers, are doing their special work in the body, then the congregation will not only stay united, bound together with peace, but it will be healthy, it will be growing, it will be full of love. Even in a crisis, this will be true. Okay, Remember, that's his goal. He's trying to help them through this time by adjusting their focus. I think it's only natural. Guys, it's only natural for us, whether we are a leader or a believer in the congregation, to focus more on the crisis than on doing our special work. We tend to forget that. In a crisis, we naturally tend to forget that God has a special work and that even amidst a crisis, he has called us to do it. And that is exactly what Paul is doing in writing this letter. Paul could have been sitting in prison, just moping, just down and out, discouraged because he's not out there working, planning churches, you know, doing the work of a missionary, doing the work of an apostle. He's sitting there. He can't go anywhere. He's on lockdown. You know, he's chained to a guard or chained to a wall. Anybody relating? Right? As we are self isolated, feeling like we're chained down. Right? Paul could have sat there and go, Well, I can't, oh, I can't do my special work now. I can't do, fulfill my role as a church leader, as an apostle, because I'm chained down. No. He did what he could in the crisis to continue filling his role. He got out his pen, he got out his paper, and he started writing letters to encourage the churches. From what, we, from what I understand, he wrote four letters. Uh, prison epistles while he's sitting there chained up, right? And so whether you're a leader listening to this podcast, whether you're a believer listening, you have a special role. And the fact that you're in a crisis doesn't deter you in that role. It doesn't mean you can't find a way to fulfill that role. And so if you're sitting around not fulfilling your role, I'm telling you to get up and get back to work as much as you possibly can, fulfill your role, whether you're a church leader or a believer. Why? Because your circumstances don't change the fact that God has given you a special role. Let's take a moment and quickly look at those special roles. He says, leaders, apostles, prophets, and evangelists, and pastors, and teachers, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Look, listen to me very carefully. One of the concerns I have um, for uh, church leadership is that we are not equipping God's people. We have, we have, in general, made 
the body of Christ passive observers, okay? We have made them passive observers. People, uh, believers come in, they drop their kids off to kids' church, their, their youth to, to the student ministries. They sit down, they stand up, they sing, they listen to us, they go home. If that's all we are doing or all we are promoting through our ministries, then we are not equipping them. We may be helping them engage in worship. We may be giving them some quality teaching, but there is more. There, if we are, if our ministry is not causing people or enabling people to get out and actually do ministry for themselves then we are not fulfilling our work, okay? I, I liken this. It's, it's kind of like a, a lot of the ways that, that we teach school. And if, if all our students are doing is coming into our classrooms and sitting and getting, then we are not doing a very good job uh, as teachers. We are not engaging them in the curriculum. If they're not doing the work, if they're not doing, like uh, as a science teacher, um, if, if my kids aren't doing science, doing labs, experimenting and getting to do hands-on work, then they are not learning science. You can't just learn it by reading it in a book. And the same is true with our faith. We can't become mature believers if all that we are giving them is like sitting and get style uh, of ministry passive spectatorship, okay? I, I hope you are understanding what I'm saying. We have to find ways as spiritual leaders to get people out of their seats and engaged in the community, engaged in faith conversations, engaged in community outreach, engaged in sharing their testimony with other people. There's got to be more more active participation if we are going to equip God's people, if we're going to build up the church. Look at the goal. Look at what Paul says the goal is for church leadership. He says uh, that uh, for the, the goal is to increase the unity of our faith, to increase the knowledge of God's son, to increase uh, the maturity in the Lord, to see people growing and becoming more like Christ. He describes it as measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Meaning, if we take the people sitting under our, our leadership, are they becoming more and more like Jesus in their relationships? Are they relating to God and other people like Christ would? Are they thinking, feeling, uh, uh, and acting like Christ would because of the, our work in their lives? Right? That, I believe, is the standard that, that church leaders will be judged by. Okay? I see, and I'm going to make some people upset, and, 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 and frankly, it's, that's okay. I don't mean it to be offensive, but what I mean, but I see here, Paul saying that church leaders should be working themselves out of a job. We should be making Christian believers under our leadership more and more independent to where they, they don't need to listen to our podcast every day to get an insight from the, the word of God. They don't need to, to, to hear us pray every day right? They should be able to pray for themselves. They should be able to open the scriptures, study, read, pray, think, get a word from God for themselves, for their families, right? We don't need to make people dependent on us. But I see that happening because unfortunately among church leaders, there is this, this uh, uh, celebrity culture where we want to increase our following. And I just don't see the apostle, the apostle Paul doing that. I see the Apostle Paul giving people the tools they need to do the work on their own, to become independent believers so that they themselves can help new believers. It's all about working themselves out of a job. And I personally would like to see more of that from church leadership and less creating dependency 
Uh, you know, uh, to be quite frank, I think church leaders do that because it's job protection. It's job protection. It's 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 like building up a subscription service, right? You you keep people dependent on you, keep people coming back, you you keep yourself in work. But I don't see the Apostle Paul doing that. I see the Apostle Paul releasing people and trying to make them independent. Okay, that's my two cents. I'll quit quit with that. But I hope you hear my heart. It's not to offend people. It's just that I see that in in the Apostle Paul's writing. And that's my goal as a minister. It will always be my goal uh, as a minister uh, to, to make people independent of myself. They don't need me, right? And they don't, I don't want them to need me all the time. I want them to be able to do things for themselves because so, they can. And I think that's the Lord's intent, right? And so if the church leadership focus on equipping their congregation, they're going to help the church stay united because they're doing their part, okay? Now, he gets into, in the other verses, he talks about, excuse me, he talks about uh, maturity versus immaturity, or excuse me, immaturity versus maturity. He defines immaturity here uh, as... uh, being like children. He says people are like children. You know, when we think about uh, children, children are, they're not fully developed in their understanding and in their thought processes. They're, they're a, a bit naive, right? They're a bit naive. They just don't know because they haven't lived long enough, right? And, and he says here, like children, they're, they're tossed about by every new teaching, Right, and so uh, uh, as church leaders, our goal is to to help people mature. Our goal is to help people grow up so that they can recognize the truth for themselves. Again, there's the independence factor, right? It's just like us as parents. I I don't want my children when they're thirty years old still still uh, naive about the way that the world works. I want them to be able to recognize the truth and be able to be independent. I don't want them to depend on me. You know, as as adults, I want them to grow up. And that's what Paul's saying. Hey, church leaders, hey, help people grow up. Help them to recognize the truth on their own. And he says, as believers, right? This is kind of a a, a middling thought here uh, in his conversation. He says, believers, your goal should be to grow up. Your goal as a believer in Christ, even if you're not a church leader, your goal should be to grow up, to become independent, to recognize the truth for yourself, to not be influenced by clever lies, right? To be able to avoid them for yourselves, to recognize them for yourselves and, and to stay away. That's your goal. Uh, unfortunately, we have, uh, 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 just give, I could offer a, maybe a poor, <laughs> a poor metaphor here. We got a lot of believers uh, uh, who should be out on their own independent. It's like they're living in their parents' basement, Right, we got a lot of of adult, uh, uh, just as we have a, a lot of adult <clears throat> men and women just living in their parents' base, basement, dependent on them. Right, we we have a lot of believers doing that. They're immature when they like Paul, like or whoever uh, 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 wrote uh, Hebrews. The author of Hebrews says, "You guys should be mature by now. You should be teaching others, but you're not." You're still like on a, a baby's milk, you know, and we've got a lot of believers like that that are immature. They should be mature. They've been around long enough. They've been saved long enough, but they're, they're not mature for like, like Paul is saying here, they're still tossed about by new teachings and whatnot. They can't recognize the truth or the stuff. They can't get into the Bible. You know, they can barely pray on their own. Right. And he's saying, that's not, that's not what we want. That's not what we want. And so Paul is, he's encouraging us, uh, uh, church leaders to fulfill the role in helping others mature. He's encouraging believers to mature, to want that, and to move towards that goal. And now he gets to talking about believers uh, uh, just in, in general and how they can help the church stay united. Remember, he's saying you stay united by focusing on your special work. Okay, and so he says, as a believer, here's your here's your special work. You have a a role in the church, and, and he wants you to to find it. Look at verse sixteen. He says he makes the whole body, meaning God makes the whole body fit together, perfect. And as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. 
And so my question uh, for you today, as a believer, um, you can't really focus on your special work if you don't even know what it is. And so my question for you is, do you know what your special work is? Do, do you know what, where you fit in? What role God has given you in your local congregation? You know, and not only that, but are you helping other people grow? That's the question that you need to figure out. And I think this crisis, I mean, you're on lockdown anyways. I mean, this is something to really think about. When we get out of this stay at home and we can re-engage and gather as a congregation, what are you going to do? How are you going to contribute to your local congregation and to the Christian community where you live? How are you going to pray? How are you going to give? How are you going to serve? What are you going to do? Because you cannot be a part of the body of Christ. You cannot say you are part of the body of Christ and simply be a spectator. You cannot be a passive observer. If there's anything I think that God is trying to change through this, this, this crisis, through this time of quarantine, by the way, quarantine means 40 days, and wherever we see 40 days, a 40-day fast, or 40 days here, 40, 40 years in the wilderness and all this, wherever we see that, there's a change that occurs. And, and I think that there is a change that Christ is trying to create in his body. And if there was ever one that he was wanting, that he would want to change, I think that it is uh, changing passive spectators into active participants. And so I challenge you, I don't mean to be harsh, but if you are listening today and you are a passive observer, you're not praying, you're not giving, you're not serving, that has to end. Because you have a special work in the body of Christ. And if you're not fulfilling it, then you're not helping other people grow. You're essentially dead weight. You're dead weight. And, and there, there is no dead weight. There is nothing that's, that's uh, what's, the, what's a fancy word for that? Superfluous, right? There's just nothing extraneous in the body of Christ. Every person is important. Every believer has a role to fulfill. And you've got to start doing it. So figure out what it is and start doing it. Start praying. Start giving. Start serving. Because your local congregation needs you. The Christian community where you live needs you to fulfill your role. I mean, look at what Paul says. When you fulfill your special work, when you're helping the other parts grow, then the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. That's what we want to see. We want to see not only the body of Christ, not only the believers uh, uh, united in the spirit, bound together with peace, but we want to, even in the midst of a crisis, see the local congregation, the Christian community where we live, healthy, growing, and full of love. Why? Because that's what, that's what glorifies God. That's what glorifies God. And I don't see a crisis. I don't see a pandemic even changing that. I don't read anywhere in, in, in Paul's words here that, oh, oh, uh, you guys are in a crisis. Shoot. All of God's plans are postponed. Yeah, it's pretty hard to grow in a crisis. It's pretty hard to be healthy in a crisis. It's pretty hard to be full of love. Yeah, you, you know, might as well just start hating on each other, right? Oh, yeah. It's that's going to happen in a crisis. Your your uh, your congregation's going to shrink, you know. Yeah, in a crisis, you know, man, you're going to get a lot of interpersonal conflict. You're going to have an unhealthy church situation. Yeah, that's that's what that's what God God knew it. Can't do nothing about it. I'm being facetious. I'm being sarcastic, but I'm trying to prove a point. Right? A crisis doesn't hinder the local congregation from being healthy, from growing and being full of love. And the only way it's going to do that is if you and I, if we are fulfilling our special role, whether we're a believer or a church leader, we've got a role to, to fulfill and we've got to keep doing it. Paul did it and he was calling the Ephesians and he's calling us today to keep doing it. And as a whole, 
congregation as we not only focus on our special work, but on the things that we have in common, the similarities, all those those one things that Paul lists. As we do that, we are going to keep ourselves bound together with peace. We're going to keep ourselves united in the Spirit, and we are going to fulfill God's purpose and for the church. We are going to display His wisdom to all the unseen rulers and authorities that unity and diversity are not mutually exclusive. We can have differences of opinions and yet remain unified even in the midst of a crisis. This, if we can do this, and we can, God will be glorified in his purpose and plan for the church as well as our lives uh, will be fulfilled. Well, I want to say thank you so much for listening today. I do not mean to be long-winded in this. I hope that you receive and you hear my heart. It's coming from a good place. These are kind of intense sermons, but we're in intense times. Okay, quite frankly, we are in intense times, and I think intense times sometimes require intense sermons. And so I, I pray that you've benefited from this, and if you'd like to speak further about it, please re- send me an email, mike at cornerstoneparker.org. I would love to set up a time to chat with you, answer any questions you might have. Um, with that, let me just pray for us very briefly, and then we can move on with the rest of our day. Father, I just thank you for the church. I thank you for the plan that you have for the church. And I pray that we would fulfill it, God. I pray that even uh, with our diversity of opinions and thoughts and feelings and desires, God, that we would remain unified as a whole, united in the spirit, bound together with peace. Help each one of us to, to not only know what our special work is, but to do it. Whether we're a, belie- uh, a leader or a believer, God, help us to do it. God, that your church would be healthy, growing, and full of love. I pray that today, not only for Cornerstone Church, but for every church in in Douglas County and every church in Colorado God and throughout this this nation and believers everywhere would would unite leaders everywhere would you would unite God under these things we thank you God help us to adjust our focus from this crisis and on to the special work you've given us and on to the things that we have in common in Jesus name I pray amen hey guys I love you thanks for listening until next time God bless. We thank you for listening to this Sunday service webcast from Cornerstone Church of Parker in Parker, Colorado. We hope that His truth has enriched your life and inspires you to greater works in God's kingdom. We invite you to worship with us in our Sunday morning service or join in our other ministry events posted on cornerstonechurchofparker.org. Cornerstone Church, built on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ and connecting people to God, each other, and to our world.